0: Thank you. It's Thursday, August 6th. I'm Stephen Fee, and this is The Pen Pod, a limited-run podcast from PEN America. On today's edition, Being Present in Your Courage, poet Nikki Finney talks about holding together our literary community, mentoring young Black writers, and being a poet of her time. Plus, an election looms in Belarus. How are writers and dissenters faring amid a crackdown? That's ahead on The Pen Pod. Poet Nikki Finney's most recent collections include *Love Child's Hotbed* of occasional poetry and *Head Off and Split*. Her work often combines the personal and the political. A National Book Award and PEN America Open Book Award winner, Finney this summer was the keynote for the Quelley International Literary Festival. And Nikki Finney joins me now. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to the Pen Pod.
1: Thank you, Stephen. Good to be here
0: we're glad to have you so i'd love to start with the quelly festival which you know like so many literary celebrations moved online this summer how do you think festivals and other gatherings are helping keep the literary community connected right now
1: in in a tremendous way i feel like uh i feel like the the festivals are a kind of a metaphor for a circle which is the holiest uh symbol that i know of And I feel like Quayle, which I adore and love and have watched grow from a tiny seed to a great sunflower feel, in fact, um, allows us to see each other, hear each other, champion each other, applaud each other. And it is a different kind of intimacy. I miss so much, um, uh, I miss so much walking into a room and seeing people and giving a hug and and listening in that kind of way. But I am learning because of this virus, how to uh, find different kinds of ways to communicate with human beings and not be put off by the screen and the electronics involved. So this festival, which is specifically for writers of color, writers that I've never, some of them I've never heard of before, I go out and I find their work. It's tremendously important to the writers who are publishing new books, who didn't get the sort of send off with that book that they might have gotten last year or at another time. And we have to champion them in in a new kind of way and make sure that their work finds itself into, you know, finds its way into the world in that same profound way that people are always needed and um, and, and I just love uh, what's happening with Qualey right now and, and was really, really happy to be a part of it and have a conversation with the great short story writer, Crystal Wilkinson.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I, you know, I want to talk about writers of color and particularly black writers, because you know, obviously you have you have been a leading light and mentor for for black poets in particular. I wonder what role do you see writers and particularly black writers playing right now?
1: You know, um, the role of the Black writer is always to sing out, you know, it's always to not sit back, to sing out about um, themselves, their communities, uh, other communities, uh, to not let uh, the powers that, me- that be, uh, white America, tell them that what they are wanting to write about, that what they come from is not enough. Uh, to find any kind of um, less than in in that is a is a very um, important thing for black writers to be sure they are clear about. And the role of the black writer is to write and to see and to dream. Uh, I, rem- I I always am reminded what Tony K. Bambara said to us that, uh, the role of the Black writer is to make revolution irresistible. I love the many different interpretations of that that I see happening in in Black writing. Um, uh, the, blo- the role of the Black writer is to not look away from the brutality and the violence being perpetuated against Black bodies marching in the streets and to look at um, the numbers times three uh, nationally of what's happening with Black bodies as we fight against this virus uh, we have to we have to you know lick the tips of our pencils and and take account because that doesn't always happen in journalism it doesn't happen with uh, national coverage and so we have to stand there as witness as the black writers before us stood there as witness
0: you know, you've, you've called yourself in 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 some interviews a poet of my time. And do you think that that's more relevant now? What does that meant? And what does it mean for your career?
1: Um, I don't know that it is any more relevant now. I, I, I think that there are very evocative, powerful, uh, incredibly um, different kinds of things happening right now. But I don't want to give th- the fact that that those kinds of things are happening now any more relevant than what was happening uh, in February and January and December before that, because um, life is always filled with waves and, and tidal waves or little bitty waves. And you can't wait as a writer for, you know, large things like this to um, fill your pen. You have to be awake. You have to be on point point. Um, I'm a poet of my time, just like I believe the poets before me, uh, um, Langston Hughes and Gwenlyn Brooks and Walt Whitman um, were poets of their time. and what is what is happening around us in our small circles and in our larger circles. I just mean when I say that, i'm I'm always telling my students that, Sometimes they don't think that what's happening around them is important enough or doesn't seem to fit into the same categories of the the literate the literature that they're reading or read. And I think that is a, a, a poor way of seeing your life. And so I am a poet of my time because I am paying attention. I'm a poet of my time because there are people who have not whose voices are, are try, they're trying to be taken away or voiceless. And I am paying attention to uh, lending a microphone or a pencil into that circle of people and trying to um be a conduit for a, a larger community and i don't I don't know that that's any different from the the great writers that I have always loved and who always paid attention to the moment they were standing in no matter what that moment was and i feel um I feel like it's a blessing I feel like it's uh, it's part of my job. It's a part of my vocation. It's a part of what I signed up for, and I want to be called to that duty because I feel like what I do, and 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 the fact that I feel so passionate about it, um, it is important for the world that I'm living in. I want them to read that passion. I want them to hear that 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 story. I want them to hear the perspective that I take when I'm telling it.
0: Yeah, I mean, speaking of your your students, uh, obviously you, you you've you've taught for so many years, and you you have so many mentees in your network. I mean, do do you first do you sense that they they are feeling the gravity of this moment, and what kind of guidance are you are you giving them right now?
1: I think they are. I think that um, what, what I like to tell them is um, perspective is really really important, and right now a lot of them are you know, two inches away from something and sometimes you have to move away from it a little bit in order to find the right place to write about it. I don't tell them anything different from what I was telling them last semester, which was be present, be present in their bodies, look around them, Uh, be present in their courage. Um, The subject is not way over there someplace. Uh, The subject is within them and sometimes right outside their doors. Uh, I tell them to help somebody because I feel like a writer's job is not just to, in that sort of Western motif of sitting off to yourself, um, navel-gazing at what you want to say. I think you have to go out into the community and and go to the marches, participate, uh, no matter what you feel, what no, no matter what side you think you you stand on, and listen to people's voices and mouths open. Screaming, saying things um, that they would put their bodies uh, on the line for. I think you have to volunteer. I think you have to in this time of. Uh, I'm like to think of myself as. Um, I'd love to stay home. <laughs> I mean, it's like a blessing <laughs> to just be, uh, you know, kind of locked in in some ways. And I'm like, what? What haven't you? Uh, something that you've wanted to do, something that you have put off for a long time, make that a part of your daily, you know, routine. There's so many people who are, you know, complaining or or saying, "Gosh, we've been home for four point five months or however long it's been," and I'm like, "There's so much to learn, there's so much to do, there's so much to become um, uh, more aware of," and and sometimes we're given something that seems like uh, not a gift when it is in fact a gift, but you have to see it as that. And you have to make it that, and so I, I'm always encouraging them to use this time that they are uh, locked at home in, you know, in in seclusion or in quarantine, and and find something else about themselves that they might need for a new story or a new poem when this shifts into another gear.
0: Yeah, it's great guidance, I think, for for everyone, really. Um, you know, we've talked to a lot of authors on this podcast who say they've turned to poetry uh, in recent months, uh, either for solace or, or comfort or 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 to contextualize mm-hmm. everything that they're experiencing and seeing. why Why do you think that is for poetry in particular?
1: That question kind of makes me think, think of my grandmother, um, who I always say was the the one person who brought me to poetry and even though not literally, a poem, but by the way she walked the earth. And I I remember she used to say, okay, Lynn Carroll, that's, that's my first and second name. I have many names. Mm-hmm. She would say, let's go get some spring water because she, even though there was a tap running to her house, she preferred, and she would to go to this little spring that was about 20 miles from her house. She'd take 30 plastic jugs and fill it up and bring it back to her house. And she felt that that spring water had a mineral content and and the and the specialty things in it that had not been touched by uh, the new kind of world she was living in. She you know used the tap water, but there was a, something about that spring water that she thought gave her something that she needed. And I think that's what people think about when they think about poetry. I think that it is a a very uh, special taking in of something that you don't get from anything else. And I feel like it, I feel like the same thing happens with, with great tragedies. I uh, remember when nine eleven happened, people were writing newspapers and sending in poems and requesting poems. It was like, you needed a different kind of vitamin. You needed a different kind of way in a different kind of visual. And I feel like poetry is that spring in that uh, 20 miles away from civilization. Sometimes where, there's a little trickle of something that you need to feel your humanity and your humanness in a different kind of way. And so I thank her for that, uh, that symbol and that metaphor that I, I think of, because I do believe that as many things that I love to write short stories, essays, all kinds of things, but there's nothing quite like poetry to give you that specific mineral content to go out into the world and do the work and that you need to do and 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 be the human being that I think you need to be
0: I love it I love it going to this going to the spring Go water to the spring. so finally just yeah. I love it yeah Nikki what are what are you reading right now
1: You know this is um going back to my what you asked me about my students um, I had a stack of books that I pulled off the shelf I was going to read Toni Morrison, because she has recently left us physically. I was gonna read Octavia Butler because she predicted the sort of moment we're in 30 years ago. Um, and then I said, you know, I'm gonna do something that I haven't done. So I started uh, signing up for Native American newspapers and that brought an entire, n- entirely new world into my life. And I feel like what's happening on reservations across this country is not being reported. I feel like the elders that are leaving um, families and communities in in great numbers because of COVID. And so I, I signed up for the Navajo Times and some other newspapers. And what I've been doing every night before I go to bed is I read the obituaries that are listed there. And there's some of the greatest stories about Uh, Native Americans in terms of their lives, in terms of their overlooked lives, in terms of what they did, Um, co-talkers and uh, women who uh, raised families and and whose children were taken away. Just incredible stories that I never get to see uh, on the nightly news. And I thought this was one way that I could um, put something in my life that I need more uh, more and more. And these elders are leaving us in great numbers, and no, no one is there to catch their stories. Their, their community is there, but the wider community does, does, has not seemed to understand the sort of loss that's going on. So I've made that my priority, and its it's been a life-altering um, decision for me to not read those books that I would love to go through again, but to read uh, a different kind of book a Native American family book uh, that has not yet, the leaves of which have not been put together, but you can find them if you take the time to look.
0: Absolutely. Um, Poet and scholar Nikki Finney, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate it.
0: This Sunday, voters in Belarus, often dubbed the last dictatorship in Europe, will take to the polls. The outcome of the weekend's presidential election is perhaps preordained. Alexander Lukashenko has held power since the presidency itself was established in 1994. This year, the crackdown against free expression and dissent has been particularly harsh. My colleague, Polina Sadovskaya, spoke to writers and artists from across Belarus, some who've been targeted by the government, to better understand the repression writers face in the lead-up to Sunday's polling. You can read some of their stories on our Instagram, we're at PenAmerica, and you can read Polina's essay about exploring Belarus's vibrant but underground theater scene on our website, pen.org. And that's our episode for Thursday, August sixth. Join us tomorrow for the Pen Pod. We'll have our weekly Tough Questions segment with Pen America CEO Suzanne Nossel. You can listen to all our episodes at pen.org. Follow us at Pen America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sign up on our website for our daily Dare newsletter. That's where we track major stories about literature, free expression, and the news of the world. I'm Stephen Fee for Pen America. This is the Pen Pod. See you tomorrow.